get yourself ready to the pristine voice exercises. La 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 la. Keep that in. Welcome to the Testing Peers. Thank you for joining us today. We have with us David. Hello. Chris. Hey. Simon. Hello. And I'm Russell. Today is a very special day. Today is our one year anniversary. Yay. We've been doing this podcast for a year now. I don't know how we managed to keep it going every two weeks for a year, but we have. Thank you very much, everyone who's listened so far and for giving the feedback. We really, really appreciate it. Today, we've got planned Ask Me Anything session. So we asked our listeners for any questions and they provided quite a long list. So we're going to try and answer as many as we can. We'll figure out the rest as we go. Before we start, though, I want to say a big thank you to our sponsors. They've helped make this possible. So thank you to Saffron QA. They are a provider of recruitment consultancy services, and they're exclusively for the software testing industry. You can find out more about Saffron QA in our show notes. In terms of today, obviously, we're going to be asking questions. So I just wondered to start off with, can anyone remember any memorable questions that they have themselves been asked when giving interviews to other people? So the candidates, have they come up with any interesting questions that made you think, okay, I'll have to think about that because it's quite a, a different question and quite a difficult question. I'll give you an example. This is probably starting. So one of the things I always have to think about, what's the best thing about working for your company? Does anyone else have any other examples? So mine was, if there are any answers I've given that you didn't like, can you let me know so that I can answer them differently? <laughs> That's a hard one to answer. It's a yeah. smart one. It's a smart one, but it's also awkward. Yeah. Credit for balls, though, I have to say. That's the sort of question that I can imagine you asking, Russell. <laughs> I've, done, <laughs> I've done similar. I've asked similar questions to what David asked before. That's definitely true. I've had the question of what are you expecting me to do in this role or something like that. Some, I'm not knowing that word, maybe not that wording, but something along those lines, which is more than what we just discussed in the interview or just discussed in the job spec. They're asking me to come up with the, you know, okay, what, what are your expectations for me with this role? Just in the interview, I wasn't prepared for it at that point, but it, valid question. Or what's the worst thing about working here? I've had that before. Oh yeah, they, yeah I've had that. That's an interesting thing. And they want to know, the dirt on the company and you've got your boss or something sat next to you and you're like I'm not sure what I can say here but you try and be diplomatic and still try and sell the company in the right way I got asked did you find my Twitter account by someone which was interesting because I hadn't but our recruiter had there wasn't anything bad it was just the hobbyist account and they were kind of I guess just intrigued to see we might think about those things i would always worry if someone asked me that question because you do wonder what they're hiding certainly going to check it afterwards yeah (laughs) (laughs) so well we we mentioned it in the interview episodes when we sort of say you know your social media profile is a thing that will if it's public get looked at so it does it raises questions with you as it turns out we did we recruited that person they were very good but it's also things like people have got git accounts Mm check them out have a look see what see what the quality of their work is david that was interesting now the good news is we've got many more questions to come simon did a great job of setting up a slido board for us and we've been 
relentlessly plugging it on social media and we thank you very much the 24 or 25 people who threw questions into that for us we're not going to mention the poll for your favorite peer because we all know it's russell it's chris no definitely not me that's not me adam we're gonna try and go through this by the highest voted ones as ranked and voted for by people on the slido we're going to take it in turns asking questions and we'll get through as many as we can in a time by which we think anybody is still actually going to be listening to the podcast. So if you entered any questions, you probably will have been sent some stickers by Simon. If you haven't done, DM him. I'll give you his private email address as well if you want. And you can get your own Testing Peers stickers. So thank you very much for participating in this and meaning that we don't have to answer all of our own questions because we do that all the time. I have only sent stickers out as far as Denmark. So there's still the rest of the world to go. All righty. So question number one comes from Beth Marshall. Hi, Beth. Shocker. Shocker. Always the highest <laughs> voted one. So the question is, what aha moments have you had when recording the podcast, which otherwise would not have happened i never would have heard the expression culture ad not culture fit definitely was an aha moment to me i would say probably aha moment for me it would be the sort of make a tester the encouragement that we can give to people in the non-testing community to join us that everyone has the potential to become a good and great tester i would say Mine was also from the Maker Tester, but mine was more the fact that during the episode, while I was talking through stuff, I suddenly had that moment of, but actually, hang on a minute, we need to be explaining testing to non-testers as in developers and everyone else within the software lifecycle to make sure they appreciate good testing, as well as just finding more testers. We need to make sure that good testing awareness is spread across everybody in the software world, not just the people we want to become testers. And for me, that was suddenly a switch with the maker tester to try and make it wider. What about you, Chris? Well, for me, I think probably it's two or three recordings in when we found a little bit of a cadence to, to what we were doing. And I realized that we've got something here akin to a reasonable dynamic. We've got different personalities, different backgrounds. We knew that, but actually in conversation, we can add value and different perspectives and we bounce off each other well in a live conversation. For people that have never met, that's pretty incredible. But also I felt after a while that not only was this going to be good for us and maybe a handful of people that we know, but potentially the stuff that we talk about has the chance to help people. I guess I was possibly the least convinced about doing a podcast when Simon petitioned for it to happen. And yeah, several recordings in, I kind of felt like, actually, we've got a good flow. We work well together. This is fun. I would echo that. And I think that one of the key episodes for my understanding that we've got something, it was the cognitive bias one, where people seemed to listen to it and, and recognise it. There was a bit of a buzz online and it was recognising that. And I agree with you, Chris, is that it was great to think that our li- what was really just a hobby has grown and we've got quite a good listenership and 
gaining momentum and having great listeners and, and great feedback exactly that there's these questions are. So it's great to have a following be starting to recognise within the testing community for what we are giving back to it. Should we move on to the next question? I'm going to apologise in advance. If I have to give the questioners' names, I am probably going to pronounce every single one wrong. So you have been warned. The next question we've got then is from Pete Mickelson, who I actually had a bean coffee with not so long ago. Great to see you here as well. Did doing this podcast help you in your daily work and career? And if so, how? In what way? Start with Chris. I'm, I'm nodding a lot. Um, <laughs> I got, I got my, my current role largely off the back of stuff that we've been doing that's been very visible in this last year. Doing this podcast has helped raise our own profiles collectively, but also individually. And it's shown that we've got voices. We're able to articulate our thoughts and share those things in a sort of a pragmatic kind of way. And that, that sort, those sorts of communication skills are things that I would say I would look for in a tester. Doing this podcast has raised my profile in terms of my voice above and beyond the blog that I was doing beforehand and any other things that I was doing, volunteering and, and such. This has been the place where my voice has been genuinely heard, directly influencing the people that gave me the job that I have now. So, yes. I'd go with what Chris has said definitely as well, which is it's raised the profile. It's triggered a lot more conversations I've had outside of it. It's made me more aware of the wider community online to be more involved with it rather than just say the local meetup community, which has helped me be happier. It's helped me during lockdown dramatically. It's counselling generally. Um, that's how it's helped me more than anything else. I would say it's definitely increased my own confidence in myself and my ability to articulate things has definitely helped me in the workplace as well it's given me the confidence that you know through talking stuff through with you guys I've been able to take stuff back into the workplace and push my point more I think people are sick of me talking about the podcast at work now and the fact that my team's background is a picture of the podcast logo you know it, it's a conversation starter it works people ask questions people listen to it on the back of it especially topics that are not necessarily always testing related so yeah, I think it's definitely helped me in my day-to-day -day work. I'm moving towards a more senior position again, and that partly is because of the confidence that having these conversations with you guys on the podcast and, and working together has has helped. And I have to say, I was, it's probably an aha moment actually going back to the first question, is the social re interaction and the social reaction to Chris's situation before he got his new job. I think that was a eye-opener from what the peer the power of the peers has done for us for Chris I would say that exactly as people said I think that it's helped me have a bit more of a presence and awareness of things like LinkedIn and Twitter and and the power of that and being more connected in that also the ministry of test having the meetups I wouldn't have had known those by by speaking to you but also just the content of the podcast as well the fact that it's a conversation and I would say that for every topic that we've discussed, there is something that I've learned from the others, because obviously we only have our own opinion, whereas actually finding out, although we're very similar and we, have, we haven't really had a disagreement, we do have agree, we have different views on things. And so I would say from every episode, I've learned something and I'm very much aware of especially what I am saying that I, I need to live by those through 
the position that I am. So, you know, with the one-to-one episodes or the imposter syndrome, recognizing that if I suffer from imposter syndrome and the rest of us do, then there are lots of other people suffering from it as well. And so how can I, the way I react, help them overcome that particular sort of imposter syndrome? And so they're probably from every episode, something that I've learned and have thought about we've discussed it perhaps further and that we can then I can then take back to to work so it's almost having a conference every episode really having something I can actually use one thing that just triggered in my mind was back to the uh, sort of banter we're having at the start talking about looking at LinkedIn when doing interviews if any future employers of us want to find out about us what we really mean what we think there is a podcast out there that tells exactly what we think which is interesting because we weren't really getting into this to improve brand, but it, it's kind of had that. I think also we found that there was a hole in the market, if you like, in the podcast world. I think we filled it. To be honest, we ultimately enjoy it. And it's made me happier. Yeah. Which has yeah, helped agreed. me be happier agreed. at work. I think also the fact that I like the fact that it's just a conversation. It's just a conversation between four people and they all have different views. And I, I like that idea and... Also, another thing I've taken back actually to my workplace is being able to listen more. So listening, my listening skills certainly improve because we have to listen on this so that we can relate to whatever the other person is saying. What was that? Sorry. Uh, (laughs) Let's move on. Yeah, let's go to the next one. Next one is from Claire Reckless. How would you approach helping your team learn technical skills you haven't mastered yourself yet? Most technical skills then. As a sort of a blank canvas way, I think one of the things you look for in a leadership role is being able to know where to find the answers if you don't know them and being humble enough to accept that I cannot know everything and shouldn't really know all the things either. And so I think one of the the biggest skills you can have is, is knowing where to look or knowing who to ask to find those things out and to not be egotistical about it, but to just let it go and say, I will find that thing out for you. Or I know who you can talk to about those things and shine the light on those people and not have it on yourself. I think this is a really great question. I think it could almost be a podcast in itself. I think that we should all, like Chris said, we should all be humble and recognize that we don't have all the skill set, and that throughout our career, we should constantly be learning and improving ourselves. So we should encourage that in others. So therefore, we shouldn't put people down for asking these particular things. And it also comes down to the questioning of how best the other person learns. So is it a case of teaching them? Is it a case of coaching them? Or is it a case of mentoring them in order to be able to get the skill set? And exactly as Chris said, it's finding out the information and the the best form that they also have their way of learning is that written is that taking a course is that talking to others so it's recognizing the individual how best they can take on information and tailoring it for them yes signposting itself is a very powerful leadership skill being able to point people at where they can find information out rather than having to be that source of information is key i think also by building, as we've talked on previous question, building up our network, we inevitably have contacts that could help somebody learn more stuff about that particular topic, whether it be exploratory testing or automation or something that, oh, I know who can help with that. 
here's someone you can contact, talk to them. And then it's also, I think the other thing that really helps that I've done recently is learn it with them, actually be alongside them to work through it with them so that they've got someone to talk to on that journey. And I think that really helps as well. Yeah, definitely agree with that one. Even by example. One other thing, making sure you give them the time. Time management is a one of the weaker skills people have. So making sure we can give them the prioritized time to learn the skills and it's not in their own time. I would absolutely agree with time. We are all busy people, but they have requested that information. It may be a personal thing. It may be a project related thing, but it may be a personal thing. And if it's a personal thing, then they need to be given the space and the time in order to carry that out because it's important to them. And to be an effective coach, you don't have to know the subject inside out. I've done this to someone who wants to learn exploratory testing. I don't know the ins and outs of how to be the perfect exploratory tester, but I can give my half an hour of time every day to sort of sit with them and work out what the next step of the process is and look at how he's building out his charters or how he's building out his heuristics to try and start that, to help him become better and inevitably learn stuff along the way as well. Right. The next question. This is from Lewis Prescott. So what's your proudest moment as a tester, tester's mentor or peer? Excluding the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Proudest moment I had two really that I can think of one is one mentor that I was working with I was I was helping them sort of prepare themselves for jobs and interviews and and from a testing perspective test management perspective seeing them get that job after six months of trying was a real big big moment really to, to show that I, I was able to help them do my little bit to help them on their journey obviously they did all the hard work but being able to be there behind the scenes sort of encouraging them and then the other one is seeing someone in my team really ignite with excitement and passion for exploratory testing because I gave them the opportunity to start learning it and it's taken them away from being quite down in the dumps, run of the mill, kind of just doing doing the manual test because they've always done it to suddenly you cannot stop them talking about testing. You cannot stop them talking about how they're improving the software and how they're doing this. And it's just a complete difference. And I know that I helped him on that journey. So they're, they're the moments that I'm most proud of. I would say similar things. So my some of my proudest moments is when I've been able to promote people based on their experiences and just see them progress throughout their career and, and know that I've helped them, give them the opportunities or, well, like you say, they've done the hard work, but to see them progress is certainly a lovely thing to see. And also I would say, people taking on responsibility and just having the ability to say yes to people as a leader they come up with ideas and you go yes go with that try it out see how it goes and so they can then see themselves progress and see the idea be fruitful and then possibly being used in the wider company Mine's very similar. Having a meetup that's teaching and coaching on training people to become testers and seeing the first couple of them actually get jobs in testing, seeing people that you know that you helped get into the testing field and that the work that you put in pays off and that the work they've put in is paid off and that they've got where they want to be. That's a very proud moment. Hmm. Mine's perhaps slightly different. I've had it where I'm no longer the line manager because I've moved on, but 
those people still talk to me, still share with me things they're doing, still come to me for it just to be at the rubber duck half the time or to, to ask for things. If you like, if I, if I'm allowed to be proud about something, it's that I made enough of an impact when I was working with them that they still value my input, even when I no longer have influence on their career path or their salary, but they actually do value my contribution to those things. I think I take some pride in that. I think I'm allowed to. Actually, I think you should take pride in the fact that you've got us all testing peers together, you know, because without you, mm. then this wouldn't have started out as a Slack channel and it wouldn't have then progressed to a podcast. So you you should be quite proud of that. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a seed planter. Let's move on to something that's a little more lighthearted. This is from Bruce, the legend. So what is your best testing related joke? Am I the only one that's done some Googling on this? I've got a non-Googling related one, but I'll let you go first. So, I, yeah, I have to say it's slim pickings. There isn't a lot of great testing jokes, but the one that's stuck in my mind is, so an optimist may say a glass is half full. A pessimist may say a glass is half empty. A tester will tell you the glass is two times as big as it needs to be. And I can tell by your reaction, that's a terrible joke. Yeah, I mean, there, there are testing jokes out there, but I think we've probably all been a little bit worn and worn down by them. The, um, the one I'm thinking about is when I was working as a games tester at Codemasters, there were some friends of one of the, the testers or even one of the testers themselves phoned the direct number of one of the managers. They sort of did like a, almost a parody of someone asking to become a, a tester and they were like, Oh, mate, I want to become one of those quars. I could help you with all the testing. I could be a quality quar for your thing. Because, of course, QA and quar, it's hilarious. That's the best. That's literally the best joke anecdote I've got on testing. Let's move on. Russell. Next question. This one's from Melissa Fisher. What advice would you give to someone that wants to transition into testing from another field? Do it. This is like make a tester, isn't it? It is. It is. I would say just ask for it. You know, put yourself out there and go to companies. Don't look at all the skill set and just try it. You could always go through an agency, make sure that you express to them that you want to go into testing. It might not be easy to begin with because there are companies out there that aren't very accepting of people that aren't testers, but you just need to go for it. If, if you want to become a tester, you have the ability. Lots of people weren't, didn't initially decide to become a tester. They've sort of fallen into it in some form or other. And we've all been given the opportunities to actually do that. So if you want to just go for a company that is only asking for a single tester and say you've got certain skill sets that might help them, especially a small startup where you can cover lots of different bases, but you can go in and invest in their testing. I agree with what you're saying, David. I think the other thing I would say is try and find yourself a mentor that is someone that's passionate about testing. And I know Melissa Fisher herself has been mentoring someone who wanted to get into testing recently. And having that person that can signpost stuff for you, that can give you the materials, can sit down with you and, and talk you through what being a tester means, help you build up some of the core skills needed, give you insight into what it's like in the industry. 
that can really help set you up for getting into that first role. We talked about passion in one of our episodes, but if you show that you've got a desire and why you want it, that helps people give you time. Time is really useful. That could be to mentor you. It could be to give you work experience opportunity. You could have a test department where you work. But if you show that you've got a passion, you try and reach out to those leaders. You try, some might reject, some might not want to help, but you'll find someone that will probably. Even if you're not in your company, if you go to other companies with test departments, you will probably find people willing to help you on that journey. We've all mentioned some of the things we're proudest of is helping people. There are lots of people out there that want to help. You haven't got passion, going to things like meetups, going to online, going to conferences, seeing things, learning from the field, showing your own proactivity is kind of key to me. That's online learning, that's doing stuff. There's lots of materials out there. So if you can show that proactivity, you can show that, that drive, you'll find a lot more doors open up to you a lot faster. And that's where I would start because, yeah, you can't always go and sit with the testing team where you work. If you show that passion and reach out to big companies, you'll hopefully find a test lead somewhere or someone who will go, why don't you come in and sit with us for a week? Why don't you do something like that? And that's how things start. They generally start small and get bigger. So another question from Melissa. What are your top tips to educate others in testing? So it depends on what people want to be educated in, which field. It's, I mean, it's really context specific. If you're being completely industry agnostic, there's some great places to start. I think we've mentioned some good reads in previous episodes. There's the 30 things every new person software testing should know. I've probably butchered the title, but Heather Reads on the Ministry of Testing site is a is a great place to start if you're wanting to have like points to look at those things. But essentially the things that are most encapsulating to other people are hearing your experiences, things that you've learned. We use the word passion, but there's other ways of doing those things. It's, it's making things relatable, making things personable and human and accessible to other people. If you are going to be educating other people, signpost away, but give a bit of yourself if you get the opportunity to. Don't force it, force it upon them. But if, if there's an opportunity to sort of tell your story and to talk about what it is about the craft that draws you in and keeps you in, then by all means do those sorts of things i think yeah be, be honest it's difficult but you're still learning and there's a reason talk about it i think there are two things here with this question is who do we want to educate in testing is it other testers or is it other people is it pms is it developers or whatever and so therefore the answer depends on what your audience is and who you want to educate there are loads of different resources out there there's obviously this podcast the testing peers there is Ministry of Test, there are books, there are conferences, there are so many different things. So it depends on the context of who you're trying to educate. And again, it goes back to how do you help people learn? It's a similar answer to that. Yeah, I would say I'd agree with that. If you're looking at educating non-testers, i.e. other businesses, other business teams, then trying to help build that culture of quality across an organization where you may share stories and give them the ability to learn about what you're doing by including them in UAT, presenting stuff to them, talking about how testing can be of value earlier in projects, et cetera, et cetera, is all a way to 
infiltrate that understanding of of what good testing and good quality is and helps build up that knowledge across a com across an organization but as you say if it's other testers building up their knowledge or even developers within the team or however it's set up then there's plenty of material and plenty of ways in which you can share knowledge as david mentioned only thing i'll add is trying relate it to the person the situation use simple analogies if you can i think try and use an analogy that someone will understand so if someone's understands football soccer analogies are quite good for a lot of team type things use an analogy or something like that that keeps it simple that tries to explain it in a different context i like to use games so like testing jenga lego things like that and other ways to demonstrate value and i think if you put it in a practical sense you can often get further and people are much more willing to play a game to sit down to a powerpoint presentation i've learned that so actually that's a nice playing games is quite quite a nice link to the next one possibly so this is a question from claire reckless how do you encourage people in your teams to speak up and ask questions? I yell at them. Best way. Works every time. <laughs> I'm joking. It's, again, through building them up, coaching, mentoring, encouraging them as far as finding opportunities for them to do small pieces first before you allow them to stand up, defend a bug and the priority of a bug and back them up. If you get visibly seen to back them up, it gives them confidence that they're on the right course, they're doing the right thing. And you'll find that the little small opportunities you give them, and the more you back them up, the more you encourage them, the more confidence they'll get and the, the, the more opportunities they'll find for themselves to start talking up and pushing things. Yeah, I would go back to my one of my original answers, giving the people the opportunity by saying yes. If people come to your ideas by saying yes, that certainly encourages them because they can go on and do something with that information. The other thing that we do within our company is we have what we call test forums, which basically people come with ideas, they can show technology, and then we discuss as a group where we can use that technology in the business. And so therefore everyone is seen as a voice. Everyone has an input into the, the session when it was meeting rooms, we had whiteboards. Now we have obviously virtual whiteboards. Another thing I do within especially with Zoom meetings, you know, when we've got a large group of more than 10 people, then people can dominate it quite a lot. However, what I do is then put them into breakout rooms in twos and give them a task in order to discuss it and then come back. So therefore, whatever happens in those breakout rooms is just between two people, but they have an equal, hopefully one person won't dominate in that particular scenario. And therefore, when they come back, they feel that they've had some input into the overall discussion. We'll say it a million times it's context specific it's people specific but i think the important things to do is to to get to know these people if you're privileged enough to be in a situation to influence a forum in which people can have this this area to speak up in make it a safe space understand where they come from and to try and give them those opportunities encourage them to push their boundaries but don't put them into a position where they're too uncomfortable or put off Ensure that places that you're creating, that they are in, are safe, that they know that they are actually respected and their voice will be heard. And that can be done through charters in, in, in meetings and communication sort of rules, codes of conduct and things. But it can also be just they've seen it modelled amongst those of you who are already there. And if you've got an environment that is open and that people are encouraged to do those things, others can potentially be 
but it, it really is down to those people and it's it's being open to their suggestions in whichever way it may come and inviting those questions being humble accepting that not everything you do is going to be the right way and i always told people new starters with me that if they trust their gut about something and they're worried that they get shot down they could blame me i was letting them try the stuff blame it on me if anything goes wrong people got a problem tell them to come and talk to me just to give them that freedom by all means i don't expect them to forever come and blame me for everything although they could if they wanted to but it's just a case of try and create an environment where where they feel safe to speak out about it yeah it's that psychological safety as well isn't it it's that making sure everything's in place to make them feel like they can fail and they're not going to be berated for it yeah show you're vulnerable so that you can ask questions so that you make mistakes so that you know you value people speaking up to you as david said saying yes to them things like that don't always shoot people down moving on so this is from anonymous and i've got a sneaky thing to tell you everyone i am anonymous not the online anonymous but i didn't put my name down so what episode are you most proud of as a testing peer creator can we only choose one you can you can choose several if you want to the first one that i'm most proud of is the absolute first one because we managed to actually get it up and running and out the door and online so you know to actually always like anything it's the first foot out the door that's the most important when you're trying to run or do whatever so therefore i'm quite proud of that in terms of other ones i think i think we've mentioned it before the make a tester one i'm also quite like the imposter syndrome one because people find it relevant and recognize that it's a normal thing to feel mine would be the imposter syndrome one definitely it shows and just recognizes how we all feel it quite often it makes it just real versus something you kind of fear that you feel all the time when it's uncommon, but actually four of us all said we felt it. I would agree. I think imposter syndrome is definitely one of my proudest. I think some of the ones that have made the biggest impact have been the ones that have been non-specific to testing. So the leadership ones, the imposter syndrome one, I know we've got one on mental health, one that I think we should be proud of as well, because I think that is a topic that will hit home for a lot of people. For me, it was one of our least listened to episodes of all time. But the risk storming episode that we did with four of our friends, where we managed to bring some new people in, we managed to showcase the wonderful tool that is risk storming, which was great. It was thematic about Christmas in a pandemic, which was fun to do in quite a miserable year. But also we were able to shine the light on some charities, thank the people that came onto our podcast and do a good thing in the world, which I think the world needs. And I had a great time despite being the person that spoke the most on the podcast. And listeners, I hate the sound of my voice. It was good fun, that episode. It was a good laugh. It was more fun recording it than it was editing it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I can imagine it was. I think the other to think about is the Eurostar one, because to be asked to record at a conference, whether it's because we've got connections in the conference or not, 
it's still a, an opportunity for us to spread our word, get more listens. So there's been a couple of conferences that we've had opportunity to to speak in some format, and that's something we should be proud of as well. I mean, this isn't really an episode, but I, I, another thing I'm proud of is the fact that we don't try and stick to a formula in our episodes. We do try and vary it, hence inviting new people on and going to conferences and this AMA today. It's exciting. It's, we don't, we're not formulaic. We don't just try and do every episode exactly the same. We do try different things. So the next question, and I'm going to get another name pronounced very badly. So the full snack tester, Ben Down. What is your favourite daily celebration of the testing community? Gosh, well, this three-time tester of the day when I here might lean into tester of the day. What's tester of the day, Chris? Tester of the day was set by Ben Doen, whose name I got wrong a hundred times as well, so I, I forgive you wholeheartedly for that one. Ben set it up last year as a fun way to celebrate a different tester every single day, inviting different people to nominate a tester and why we should celebrate that person. In a very high-level spirited moment, I nominated all three of you separately for different reasons, and we've kind of gone through that as we've gone and I'm super happy that Ben's been able to carry this on. He's recruited other people like Simon to help gather these things. He's doing interviews with, with the winners to find out more about them. And it's, it's shining a light on the positivity. It's giving a good vibe. Again, we talked about this, the risk storming episode before we've had a bit of a bad last year, let's be honest, but finding positivity in these things is wonderful. And what Ben's done with his own spare time, with his own hobby, much like what we've done with this podcast, is he's brought some joy and some fun to this year. And the fact that he's done it every single day for months on end is absolutely bonkers. But I am really happy that Ben's doing it because I'm finding new people to follow on Twitter and I go a bit mad with new followers on Twitter. It's really nice to see different people being celebrated for the good that they're doing. It doesn't have to be a super public place. It can be a, in their own workplace that it's something positive and people are getting celebrated for that. And it's super wonderful. So thank you, Ben, Owen, very, very much for everything you've done. I'm kind of just railroading everybody else and saying we're probably done at this point for this particular episode. But we've got loads more questions. So I think the sensible thing for us to do is to record another one. I think everyone's super keen on that one. Russell's got the big smile on his face. Now, whether or not this will become Patreon content or whether this becomes an actual released episode, TBC. But on that note, did you know that the testing peers have a Patreon? So we have got a Patreon. We've got four tiers going on there at the moment. The highest one, we kind of did a bit of boundary testing and decided that we'd see how high we could go turns out you can put over £10,000 on there. If you don't want to hear us ever again, that's one surefire way to keep us off the air. And we've got a sponsor us tier, which is cool if people want to sponsor the testing peers, although we've already got one awesome sponsor. Thanks, Ben. Sephirin QA. We also have one for getting involved in being able to vote on future episodes. And we might even ask you to come on to a special episode as we did with the Risk Storming Christmas episode. And we've got one which we will give you a shout out on. So if you feel compelled to 
support us more than just listening to us which by the way is cool and we're really happy about then please check us out on patreon.com slash testing peers and have a look but possibly even more exciting we would want to invite you to give us feedback interact with us give us a chat let us know how we're doing if there's anything you suggest we change new ideas throw them our way we can be found on a lot of social media twitter facebook instagram linkedin and in, at our own website testingpeers.com we have an email address which is contact us at testingpeers.com please reach out we love to interact with people especially anyone that's interested in testing or quality that's kind of our jam if you hadn't noticed so thank you everybody thank you so much please like take our wholehearted the most sincere thanks for a year of the testing peers podcast we're so pleased we're so happy we're having a really fun time the fact that anybody beyond our own families listen to us which by the way our families have given up listening to us they gave up long ago but the, the fact that anyone's listening to us at this point is is a wonderful thing and we thank you so much and here's to more beers with the testing peers cheers guys cheers cheers, cheers.